Welcome to Here Comes Yesterday, a weekly 15-minute podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead with your host, Frank Corrado. How and where do people get their smarts? You know, the lessons that help them get through life? We might think some of us are just born with smarts. Some acquire them through book learning, but many get them at the School for Hard Knocks. So, in this podcast, we look at ways that uh, I've learned some hard lessons. For example, an early life lesson my mother gave me was that men were in charge of the world, and while she would have liked things to be different, men had the responsibility to step up in life and, well, be responsible. That lesson did me well for a long time, but having spent a seemingly long part of my time growing up in the company of men, single-sex schools, Boy Scouts, the Army, the career I chose, I was kind of burned out and welcomed the idea of working in an environment of women. So as a young manager, I unconsciously, I think, wanted to give them the opportunities my mother never had. And having come out of a man's world, whoops, a lot of nuances were working with women that completely eluded me, and maybe that was a good thing, at least for a while. Here's a little history of other lessons learned the hard way. Patience. By today's reckoning, I think I may have had at least a mild case of ADD for most of my life. I think I understood that I was a bit anal and impetuous growing up. My father once said that my head was always in front of my feet. It has taken me many years to learn how to be patient. The first time I learned that lesson was in high school. I played clarinet in the school's band. My parents and girlfriend Jeanette came to a Sunday concert in my sophomore year, uh, my first concert with the band. In one of the pieces, there was a long timpani solo. At the end of it, the band director, Father George, signaled for the soloist to take a bow. A few seconds elapsed, so I thought he was signaling for all to stand, and I promptly shot up to take a bow, only to immediately realize what a boo-boo I had just committed. The ribbing over that incident from my father lasted years. Lesson learned. Timing is everything. Part of that anal nature has been a good thing. Another early lesson was that the early bird gets the worm. It would take a lot of fingers to count the number of times I scored something important by moving quickly. Tickets to an event, a good place in line, a free this or that. One silly example, seeing a really cool antique chair that somebody threw out and then stopping immediately, not waiting, not thinking about it, not dickering, just stopping immediately, picking it up before anybody else did. This probably goes back to one of my favorite grade school nuns, whose little ditty has always been in the forefront of my brain. She used to make us recite, I have only just a minute, just 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's there for me to use it. Amen, sister. Fixing things. I was never afraid of fixing things, but actually I was more comfortable taking them apart. 
One of my childhood hobbies was taking apart clocks to see how they worked. Rarely, however, was I smart enough to be able to put them back together. This all changed when I got a job at age 19 in the news department of a small TV station in South Bend, Indiana, while I was in college. Long, long time ago, before videotape, TV news operations shot film for the 6 o'clock news. The film had to be processed in a dark room, then edited, and then put in a projector to be broadcast on the air. Just for comparison, think about how fast you can upload movies from your cell phone to the web today. Not back then. The exposed film had to be loaded into the film processor, go through a number of developing and fixing baths. It was complicated, and it was not unusual for something to go wrong. One day, when I was new on the job, something did go wrong. I was told to call one of the station's tech guys who handled equipment. He came down to the lab quickly to help me and then gave out this wonderful piece of advice. When something goes wrong, start with the simplest things and work your way back. Decades later, when you are talking to the tech support folks on the phone, they will invariably ask questions like, is it plugged in? Did you try and reboot it? Same idea. This advice to start with the simplest things that can go wrong was a game changer. Over the years, I became something of a handyman, plumbing, electrical, basic carpentry, and other car and home repair stuff. But that simple advice from the film processing room still keeps me going and gives me confidence that I, that I can fix things. What people want? Well, they want love and other people. Maybe the greatest advantage of growing older is that we get a little closer to acquiring wisdom and we get to see a wider angle view of the world and mankind in general. My big conclusions after years of living is that people have two important needs beyond the essentials of food, shelter, and security. Those two important needs are first and foremost to be loved and second, a need for connection with other people. And by connection, I mean they need proximity and communications with other people. A few years ago, I read a book titled The Secret Life of Dogs. It provided a lot of insights on canine behavior, but what I remember most was the author's assertion that dogs enjoy the company of other dogs much more than they do that of people. I know this might be a shocking revelation to millions of pet lovers, but it's true. Dogs like their own kind more than they like you. They need you to survive, but they prefer the company of their own kind. I think we humans are the same way. We prefer our own kind. We like to be with other people, to interact with them. A TV is no substitute. And at the end of the day, we want to be loved by other people. Believe me, this can explain a lot of human behavior. As a guy who's seen thousands of people at farmer's markets quite often, I'm pretty sure of all this. What I find different in the more recent generations of young people is the almost obsessive need that they have to stand out, to have a strong visual identity, which I think explains a proliferation of tattoos, body piercings, strange haircuts, bizarre clothing, and so on. 
I'm not completely sure how this fits with my observations about love and communications. Somebody smarter than me needs to explain it. Maybe it's just about identity, about being accepted as a member of a group of uh, communicating your preferences or your personal branding. I'm, I don't know. What do women want? Wow. Well, it has taken me a whole lifetime to figure this out. It's deeply rooted, I think, in biology. It starts with simple principles. Men have a desire to spread their genes. Women have a desire to bring children into the world and raise them. Everything starts there. Unlike other species in nature, the female becomes alluring to attract the best male genes for her children. When I heard someone say on a podcast a couple years ago that men need a sexual release to have children while women do not, it made clear so much about different behaviors, why men must be the aggressor, why women mostly let the male be the instigator, why men propose marriage, all kinds of stuff like that. Maybe other people are much smarter, but at least I know now, it, and it all has become a lot clearer to me. What do men want? Simply put, I think men want a mission. I think it started with a look from a pretty cave mama who was nurturing two starving kids and looked at the guy and said, what are you going to do about this? So he puts down his stone sharpening tool and gets the message. Get out there and get some food. And, she adds, while you're at it, fix the leaks here. After countless millennia, men got the idea that they need to provide the basics. No caveman bachelor pads. What does success demand? For her big four-score birthday, the woman I live with asked that we visit the Baseball Hall of Fame in upstate New York. Fine, whatever. So we just did. Over the years, I've been surrounded by family and friends who really love the sport. I went along, but I have to say, I was totally blown away by my visit. As museums and halls of fame go, this one is without peer. The actual hall of fame is classic, simple, with a plaque for each member. And there's only about 225 after all the years of, of baseball being so important to this country. Then there are the art and artifacts and the history and celebration of fans and sports writers and so on. But most impressive, and I really think every kid in the country ought to see this, is a 40-minute video of the inductees, recent ones, most of them, talking about the game and their own lives. You come away from seeing and hearing these guys with an understanding about how much they truly love the game, how much it owned their lives, how their success came from their great inner love of baseball and its storied American heritage. You learn that success is two things, loving what you do and doing it unceasingly. Lessons that oft need to be repeated. The great English statesman Benjamin Disraeli was quoted once as saying that the secret of success is constancy to purpose. New, new lesson to be learned. When I first heard that phrase decades ago, it clicked with me. And over the years, I've come to utter it to myself and others as I have pushed forward on whatever project I'm working on. My mother simply called it stick 
As I've worked alongside lots of young people at farm events over the past decade plus, I have come to conclude that a sign of real maturity is when you promise something, you deliver it. You decide to do something and you get it done. And as I have learned the hard way, you've got to plow through. You want that new tractor, but to get that new tractor, you've got to write a grant and you've got to do some serious financial spreadsheets to justify that tractor. And you've got to get a letter of support from somebody who barely knows you. So you slog through a lot of things you have no interest or talent for in order to get that shiny new tractor you can't wait to ride. School of Hard Knocks. At the end of the day, we all need to remember that learning is often like driving bumper cars. We keep crashing into things on the way to success. That's it for now. See you next time. You've been listening to Here Comes Yesterday, a podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead. Your ideas and reactions can also be very useful. Contact Frank Corrado via email at corrado at c4m.com. That's C-O-R-R-A-D-O at the letter C, the number 4, the letter M, dot com. This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening, and catch us next time.